As Latter-day Saint leaders, we face very difficult conversations that put us at risk of saying the wrong thing that can do more harm than good. Many of these conversations relate to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. Have you had a fellow board member come out to you about their LGBT identity? Have you had LGBT neighbors and you just don't know what to say to them, so you ignore them instead? Have you wrestled with balancing love for your fellow men while still respecting the doctrines of the restored gospel? In order to help, Leading Saints has put together the LGBT Saints Library with more than 20 presentations featuring individuals who have a unique perspective or expertise around this topic. Three of the most popular sessions are available now to watch. Simply text the word LEAD to 474747 to start watching now or visit leadingsaints.org LGBT. Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through content creation, like this podcast, which we hope you will subscribe to. We also have a website at leadingsaints.org with thousands of incredible articles all about leadership in the context of being a Latter-day Saint. We host virtual summits, live events, and also have a weekly newsletter to keep you up to date on all things happening with Leading Saints. Visit leadingsaints.org for more information. Today, we have two guests on with me today, Rochelle Price and Audrey Perry Martin. Rochelle, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me today. Good. And Audrey, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having us. Good. Well, let's just put you two into context real quick here. Some of your background, where you're located. Audrey, do you want to start as, with you? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having us. I absolutely love your podcast, and it's such an honor to be here and chat about my favorite topic. So. Background on me, I am a political attorney. I've been working in politics for over 15 years. I've worked on several presidential campaigns. I've worked for Congress for countless candidates and political committees. I live now, I live in Northern California. I was in DC for a long time, grew up in Utah, and I've got three daughters, and we live in Northern California and, and love it here. Well, I serve my niche mission in Northern California, so I, you have to get more specific than that. Oh, Rockland, Sacramento area. Okay. Well, I was a Sacramento missionary, but I think that's in the Roseville mission. mission. Yeah. 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 Roseville. That's the that's the competing mission. It seems like every mission needs a com- competitor, Absolutely. and that was ours for some reason. I we're all on the same team, but you know, how <laughs> nineteen year olds get. So Rochelle, what about you? What's your background? I uh thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here as well. I grew up in small town in Idaho and have spent the last twenty years living in Rockland as well. I'm the mother of five and a small business owner, and I'm currently serving on um, my local school board as the vice president. Awesome. So that's what brings me to the table with Project Elect today. And did you two connect since you're in that, just because you're in the same geographic area? Yeah, absolutely. We were in the same ward and now we're in the same stake. So Nice. Nice. Typical Latter-day Saint experience. Yep. Absolutely. And, and that's not because one of you moved, right? No, the ward split, of course. <laughs> right. Of course. So. <laughs> Just introduce this project elect. I've heard you. You had a great interview on the This Week in Mormons podcast uh, that 
you know, went, you went one direction with it and we may go in a similar direction, but maybe with a little leadership focus, but who wants to maybe just unpack what Project Elect is and, and the mission? Yeah, sure. I will. So Project Elect is a nonpartisan nonprofit, and we've got a pretty simple goal. We want to get more Latter-day Saint women elected in public service and involved in public service. And that kind of begs the question, right? Why do we need more Latter-day Saint women in politics? Politics is a mess. It's nasty. You know, it's, it's the worst. I've, I've worked in politics for almost 20 years now, and I've definitely seen the dirty underbelly of it. And, and so why would we start this organization that encourages Latter-day Saint women to get involved in this mess? But there's several good, re- good reasons. Um, the most important one is also the most obvious one, and it's because our church leaders have asked us to. LDS church leaders have been clear in calling for more members to engage in political life, uh, including by running for political office. And we've heard prophets and apostles telling us we need to be involved in our communities, that we need to be serving, we need to be active in public affairs, we need to be educated about politics, and we need to be informed voters. Um, We've been reading through all the church talks and church magazine articles looking for quotes from church leaders about public service. And there are so many, like from back from the beginning of the church all the way until, you know, recent conference talks, right? And it's something we've really been told again and again that we need to be doing. But it seems like members and especially women members have kind of overlooked running for public office, which is really, we think, a critical opportunity for godly service. And it's even in the church's general handbook, which says church members are encouraged to consider serving in elected or appointed public offices in the national, local and national government. And then we had President Oaks's amazing talk, you know, in, in conference a little while ago. And he said, we encourage you to run for office. And President Ballard said in a recent conference, church members, men and women should not hesitate if they desire to run for public office. So I feel like that's pretty clear, right? So that's reason number one, because we've been asked to do it. And reason number two, I think that Latter-day Saint women should run for offices because their communities need them. One day, a few years ago, a woman in my state called me up and she told me about some problems she saw that were going on in the local school board. And she wanted my political advice on what to do. And I hate to say it, but I totally brushed her off because I'm a jaded political person. And I gave her all these cynical views on how she wasn't going to do anything. It wasn't going to make a difference. But she didn't listen to me. And she gathered other Latter-day Saint women together, and they all chipped in their own skills and resources to lobby the school board to get the changes they wanted. And what started out with just a few women members grew and grew, and they brought in other community groups and turned it into this huge grassroots movement um, that would have cost thousands of dollars in the political world. And these women put it together with no money and no political experience, and it really blew me away how effective they were able to be. And one day during this whole process, I was sitting in a school board meeting and a woman got up who was opposed to what the Latter-day Saint group was doing. And she was really angry. She was emotional. She was upset. And when she was done speaking, she went back to her seat and she was kind of sitting by herself. And I was sitting right behind her. And immediately, one of the LDS women left her seat with her friends and she came and she sat next to this woman and she put her arm around her. And she said something along the lines of, thank you so much for sharing your perspective on this issue. Your thoughts really touched me. I really appreciate you telling us about your experiences. And watching that, I was almost in tears right there because never in my almost two decades working in politics had I seen someone manifest such this clear and genuine concern and compassion for someone who disagreed with them, for someone who was actively fighting against them. And 
who didn't treat them as an opponent, but as someone to better understand and to befriend. And I had known that these LDS women were competent and talented and amazing, but to see them in action in the political sphere, it just became so clear to me that, you know, what an incredible impact for good they could do in the political community. And that's, that's kind of what inspired the beginnings of Project Elect. Awesome. Rochelle, anything you would add to that? That uh, was that a good synopsis? That's a great synopsis. I really appreciate. Just want to add uh, a thank you, really, to Audrey, who has decided really to see a need and step up. And we have amazing LDS women that have skills that they've been using in their church callings that are easily transferable to serving in their community. And so that's uh, one of the ways that you know we really can be involved and. And look for opportunities because we've, we've got these skills that we've already used. We, you know, we're running meetings, we're, we're speaking in public, we're organizing events, we're talking to our neighbors, we're listening and have a deep sense of purpose already as women in the, in the church. And we can use those skills to help contribute in our community as well. Yeah. Awesome. And it's interesting. I mean, I love the, the focus and mission of Project Elect, you know, getting women in Latter-day Saint women involved politics, but it's just sort of stepping back in general. I don't know if it is a Latter-day Saint thing or in general or, or not, but man, you know, I, as it comes no surprise to anybody listening to this podcast, I have a deep passion for leadership, but like running for political office is like the last thing I want to do. You know, it's like, I'll, I'll coach the little league team. I'll, I'll uh, serve as bishop. I'll do all these other things, but political office, there's, I don't know if there's, if it's just me, if there's something about it, just in general as Latter-day Saints that kind of makes it like uh, off-putting a little bit. Do you think there, wh- what do you think is to that? Or is that just my experience? No, I think there's definitely something to that. And I don't know if it's members of the church in general or because politics can, you know, it can get kind of nasty. And a lot of women and men are reluctant to enter the political fray, you know, given, given how politics are. And I totally get that. That's a legitimate concern. But there's a couple things that I would say to people who are worried about that. And and the first thing I would say is, first of all, local politics isn't always as controversial as state and national mm. politics. That might not be true right now during COVID, as Rochelle, being on the school board, can attest to. But it can be relatively benign. They're usually nonpartisan offices, right? And second, it's hard. But as LDS... People, we as Latter day Saints, we really have the tools to rise above the fray. You know, we know who we are. If we're centered in the gospel and in our faith, that can strengthen us when times get tough. And we interviewed a county commissioner the other, a while back, and she had this great line about how she dealt with anxiety in politics and when she was getting beat up in politics. And she said she just prayed her guts out. And I love that. You know, she'd found a way to kind of deal with that through going back to her faith. And and third, I mean, it, as far as the women who are running, you know, Project Elect really wants to have your back. Like, we want to be a place where we can build up leaders and where women can lift each other up and help each other run for office and really promote and strengthen each other and kind of be a community where women leaders can go to strengthen each other and, and ask questions like, you know, I'm getting beat up on this. How can I respond? What's a good thing to do? And, and just be there for each other. Yeah. With your mission, is it mainly just you want to create more and more awareness that there's this group that is encouraging that. So maybe there's a woman on the fence sort of like thinking, I don't know if I should do this, but then they hear your message and think, Oh good, there's maybe some support and, and, and I can reach out to them and move forward. Or is there an active like 
recruiting mechanism? Like, would do you encourage people to approach specific people and say, hey, you need to run for this because you're great and you do wonderful? Uh-huh. No, that's a really good question. So we have three parts to our mission. And the first part is just education. And it's just educating members of the church at large, men and women, everybody, about how important it is to have women more involved in public service. And so that is just outreach and talking to people and, and just kind of telling them, you know, we need more women involved. We need women of faith involved. And we need their perspective. We need their leadership and their guidance and what they can bring to the table. And then the second part is kind of encouraging each other to run for public office. And there's this saying in politics that says, you know, women have to be asked seven times before they'll run for office. And I think maybe LDS women have to be asked twice that many times. So it's just kind of telling people, you know, you need to be asking these amazing women, you know, to run for office. You need to be constantly telling them, tapping them on the shoulder and saying, hey, I think you should run for city council. I think you would be great on the school board. You know, I think you need to be on the Parks and Recs Commission and just bringing that to the forefront all the time. So it's in their minds and people are thinking about it more. And then our third is to so our th- third part of our mission is to support each other in camp- in participating in public service. And that is kind of like our mentorship program. And we have these training videos and training calls that we do where we talk about public speaking skills and fundraising and all of those those things that are so intimidating to people when they're running first running for office, where we try and give them a little boost up in learning how to start their first campaign. Rochelle, anything do you want to add? I just feel like there's a lot of power in the tap on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And like Audrey said, you know, it, it takes us several times. And that actually was my experience. I had never planned in being in a, an elected official. I spent most of my years raising my young kids, volunteering in the school. I did all the field trips and the classroom parties and all of those things. And loved being involved on that level. And I saw a, um, an email for the junior high that was asking for parents to be on the site council. I passed it by thinking, you know, it was another invitation and something that maybe I didn't really have time for in that season of my life. And it kept nagging at me. And I ended up calling the school and getting more information and becoming involved in that. And then I because of that, was able to do strategic planning for the district and became the parent club president and just got more and more involved. And it wasn't until a leader in our in our stake asked me if I'd considered running for the school board that it gave me a, a pause and an opportunity to consider this season in my life. For sure, there's you know times when it wouldn't have worked as well. I still had five kids at home, although they were older. But because he asked, I carefully considered it at that time. And so I'm really grateful. And I do, I agree. There's sometimes it just takes a little bit of urging and sometimes it's not for something that's selected. Sometimes it's just, Hey, would you consider getting involved in the things that you're already involved with and watch for needs in your community and step up and contribute in those small ways as well? Yeah. So I'm curious to get your perspective on what you think the local leaders role is, you know, mentioned stake president or bishop or stake relief society president, whatever it is, because we often make the statement of like, you know, President Nelson isn't prophet of the church. He's prophet of the whole world, even though even for members not of the church or the bishop is the bishop for everybody in a ward, right? And so I would hope that local leaders are mindful of the state of politics in their area and they want to see an improvement there. They want good influences there. And we have this strong tradition of extending callings and whatnot. But I mean, What's appropriate for a bishop to do, per se? 
Well, we have some ideas and we've got some resources specifically for church leaders that we've developed on our website. But one thing that, you know, church leaders, there's quite a bit they can do while still abiding by, you know, the church's policies of political neutrality. And, you know, they could help by encouraging women in their congregations and men too to run for office by reading a nonpartisan letter each year that encourages members to to consider political service. They could call members to community service. You know, when women church leaders are released from time and energy intensive call-ins, they're often left with two assets that are critical to community service. They have more free time and they have all these leadership skills that they've developed in their callings. And, you know, these these assets could be used in larger communities and, and not always just the local congregations. And we, we've heard of a presidency of one state who decided to do just that and adopted a policy to not call like newly released Relief Society presidents or young women's presidents to another calling for a full year and instead ask them to devote some of their freed up time and skills to local volunteer organizations of their choice. So in effect, they were called to serve in their communities. And the primary benefits of this aren't political, they benefit the greater, you know, the greater community. They create greater interfaith unity and energize communities. But this can encourage women in their efforts to run for office by helping strengthen their connections to organizations outside of the church community. And also leaders can just give church sanctioned permission to develop experience and relationships that strengthen their abilities to be good candidates, you know, board member positions, committee leadership positions. You know, Relief Society Presidency, Bishopric Ward Council could decide to help them make space for this kind of community service. And members and leaders can encourage women, like we said, to just run for office, just tap them on the shoulder, say, hey, I think you would be great running for office and point to all the skills that that people have gained in their callings. Who knows that better than the church leaders? And so I think, you know, I'm sure Rochelle has more to say about that and and how she decided to do it. But I think some things they can do is just maybe send this podcast episode to some people in your ward who you think would, would be great running for office or sign up on our website to get weekly emails with tips on on what to do and how to encourage women to run for office and, and also just pray about it. I mean, I think leaders and members can pray about you know who to tap on the shoulder if it's their time to run and and really take it to prayer and ask and and see what see what answer they get. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Rochelle. You know, we know that our leaders are so busy and are pulled in so many different directions. I think that I want to just share a couple examples that our stake has done. Uh, one is they've really relied on their communications council and that's my calling as well. And so they um, are really dialed in with what the needs are, with what is happening in our community. So, for example, we had some local commissions coming up. And they talked to us about it. We reached out to the bishops and said, hey, do you know anybody that you know has maybe planning experience that would be good for the local planning commission? Uh, is anybody in your ward interested in the Parks and Rec Commission? And that was really helpful. In addition, uh, we have state conference this week, and a member of the state presidency asked me to come and speak for just a couple minutes to not even to the bishops, to the Relief Society presidents and Elders Quorum presidents to you know lighten the load on those bishops just to share with them the importance of, especially right now, of being informed and educated about the issues that that we're facing in our community and in our state. So I feel like there's some small things that we can do to help our members, encourage them to be involved and also be educated on issues. 
Yeah, I, I love that idea of getting them involved in like the public relations or the communications, right? And and it's not that we're sitting people down like, listen, you're a very capable person. We need you on the school board. Go for it. But mainly opening the invitation of, you know, we'd like to call you on the communications, get familiar with the area, get familiar with the community. And then as opportunities open up, maybe that transition is a little more smooth or natural or they're, they're have more confidence because they're like, oh, yeah, I do know a thing about what's happening in my community. Absolutely. And the Communications Council, what used to be called Public Affairs, the mission is to build relationships in the community. And so by calling somebody to that, then they're going to have those relationships that are just critical moving forward as we work to unify and build bridges. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so maybe this is a non-issue, but I'll ask and see where it goes. Like, do you extend some level of immunity as far as from church callings, you know, because a lot of these people running for office will probably make great Relief Society presidents. And it's sort of hard to not extend that and say, well, can, can you kind of do both? I mean, what should leaders consider as far as like dumping more responsibility on them if they are going to run for office? I think if you want something to happen, you, you ask a busy person, right? Isn't that yeah, how exactly. that <laughs> <laughs> um, No, I really feel like I feel like our leaders are really prayerful about what families, what the needs are for women. There are different seasons. When, um, you know, they can contribute more or less. We have a grandma in our state who was on the school board for years and has a different schedule right now and can be involved in a different way. I talked to a friend this morning and she has little kids, but she said, hey, I can be involved. My school is redoing our library and asked for a few hours for library input. Right. So I do think people have, especially as busy Latter-day Saint mothers and, and women in the church, um, but I still think we've got to ask them, right? For sure, prayerfully. Yeah. And and that's our tradition. I mean, we're a community of invitations, of callings. And I, I just feel like we can maybe step out of the, the typical mold of these callings that we do extend and say, you know, this may not be an official calling or you don't have to do it, but I really feel strongly that someone like you could have some great influence in our community. And there is this thing, then we need to talk more about it on Leading Saints, but there is this sort of this feeling of when you're released as a stake Relief Society president, for example, or a young women's president. I mean, it is a relief to some extent, but man, that feels your heart in some way that when it's gone, we sort of congratulate them, but we don't realize that the emptiness that can follow that, the the, the vacuum of purpose that has to be filled somewhere. And so let individuals know, especially women of these opportunities that are out there in the community or whatnot to step into and continue that passion that they, they feel so strongly about. Yeah. I, I love how you said that. I think that's, that's so true. And, you know, we've all had it. We've had callings that we've loved that have been hard and stretched us. And, you know, it is a relief on our time, but also, you know, there is an empty feeling because it's, we love the people we are serving. And I think it is a great idea to encourage them to say, Hey, you know, you can still serve. And there are these, all these other ways you can serve in the community, even though you don't still have this calling. And I think sometimes we're a little tunnel vision about callings and don't really look outside of our church community for opportunities to serve as much as we could. Yeah. So I have a, a good friend up in Wasilla, Alaska, who's actually in the process of running for, uh, I think it's the school board. And uh, the way that she found out is there was somebody on the school board, a Latter-day Saint woman who... I don't know if she's just, she's just moving on for whatever reason. I don't remember the details, but she saw that. My friend saw that and thought, oh, like we can't just let that seat, you know, go somewhere else. So she felt that pull and she jumped in the race and, and is uh, actively campaigning for that. But 
I mean, where do people even begin to find out what they should run for? And maybe is it just getting involved in, in the community and then waiting for that opportunity to open up? It is a little bit of the second. I mean, there are so many boards and commissions you can apply to be on, school councils, park and rec commissions, planning commissions. You know, there's just so many things and every community is different in how they're set up. And so there's not like a list of things that we can give you and say, oh, go apply to this because, you know, the deadlines are all different and the openings are all different and every community is completely different. So it takes a little bit of digging. And it also is just being out in your community and talking to people and finding out what opportunities are available. And, you know, I think church communications councils can be a part of that too, even, and kind of look into those and see, okay, we know what is going on in our community and we know what openings there are. And we think these people might be good and kind of be a part of that and organize it a little bit because, and also, you know, like you said, a lot of times there are Latter-day Saints on this, on these boards and commissions, on the school board. And if they, as they're leaving, or if they think they're going to leave can say, you know, help find a replacement or help find someone to run for that office or apply for the board position. We've had that happen several times in Project Elect and it's been great because there's, you know, they can kind of help walk them through the process and give them ideas of what to expect and all of that. And it's it's really helpful to have kind of that mentorship going on as well. It yeah. makes it a lot less intimidating. Anything to add, Rochelle, that we missed? Yeah, that, re- that reminded me of an article that I read in the church news where the Later, she became the mayor of Las Vegas, but she was a student at BYU and she emailed or she wrote a letter to Jeffrey R. Holland and she was really frustrated with the state of the world and she wanted some answers because she had been raised in a household where public service was just what they did. She had a dad who'd been the chief of police and a mom who worked in the Chamber of Commerce. And um, Elder Holland was the president of BYU. And so she asked him why the church wasn't more open about political and social issues. And she says, The answer that she got changed everything. He was kind enough to write back and say, we've got to step up as individuals. We can't think it needs to be somebody else. It's up to us. And I love that. I love that example. And I, and I think as one of the unique things that we offer at Project Elect is, is mentorship, which when I was stepping into this felt completely inadequate and many days still do. This is definitely out of my comfort zone, but I had a a local man in the community who literally just took me under his wing and, and helped me step by step with that. And, and we've got that on our website, the ability to match up with somebody who can help you. And we've got training so you can get on. This isn't natural stuff, you know, that we don't know how to fundraise. We don't know where necessarily to start with all of the details of running a campaign, but we do have mentors, which I think is just a huge blessing. Yeah, that's really helpful. You know, the, the use, use the phrase like from that experience that public service was something in their home that just it's just what they did, right? And that's sort of, and you've touched on this a little bit, but what, what do you say to those that are in the stage of life with lots of family stuff and kids and whatnot? I mean, do they maybe they need to wait a little bit till life gets more simple? But I mean, I can just hear a lot of women say, but what about the kids? You know, what about the home? What about all of my responsibilities that I do have? How can I make time for this? I say, I hear you. (laughs) It is a lot. I mean, I had uh, five kids in eight years and I get it. It, It's a lot. And and it definitely, I think, is our priority, right? We're choosing good, better, best always and we're evaluating. And yet when Heavenly Father needs us to step up, he magnifies us and strengthens us. And I have seen that in my own life. I wasn't raised in a home where this is what we did. 
But I feel like Heavenly Father has definitely helped me and given me um, opportunities and and blessings. And I do think it's possible. But I would say start small. You know, don't start off with running for president, right? (laughs) Start small with the things that you're involved with in your community. I coached, my kids played baseball. And so I coached a special needs baseball team. And I saw a need with our community that was going to donate some Christmas trees. And so I started doing that every year. Just watch for opportunities and Heavenly Father will prompt you with where you are needed with your unique skills and, and spiritual gifts that will that will build the kingdom and, and strengthen our communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really yeah. helpful. Anything I to add, that. Audrey? I really do. like. We talked a little bit about seasons in, in your life, and I really love the concept of seasons, especially in a woman's life. I mean, I I, you know, wouldn't have considered running for office when my kids were all babies, but now my youngest is in first grade and there's a little bit more space opening up, right? And and I think we do have seasons in our lives where sometimes it's more possible than others, but I would say, you know, I hope women will look at public service through that lens and even if they can't manage it right now to keep it in their minds for the future. And also just like Rochelle said, there are lots of things that you can do that aren't necessarily running for office that can be a step towards that direction or a step in the direction of public service or doing public service now, um, like these boards and commissions or, you know, at your schools or net, they are all great opportunities to network with people and serve others. I mean, you can donate to people's campaigns. You can volunteer on somebody's campaign. That's a great experience and gives you a lot of good exposure. And you can often do it on your own time or just when you have an opportunity during an election season, it's not a huge commitment. And also, you know, running for office doesn't have to be a lifetime commitment. You can run for office, serve a term or two, and then recruit somebody else to take your place, you know? And I think our communities would benefit by that kind of attitude instead of having, you know, politicians who are in there forever. And and so I think, you know, having that kind of perspective is also very healthy. Yeah. You know, this is, uh, this topic I think is so important in the context of, uh, just, you know, in, in the context of raising a family, having kids see you make a difference. Cause you know, we, we sometimes default to the, the David O. McKay quote that David O. McKay did not say he was actually quoting somebody who said it, which, you know, no other success can compensate for failure in the home. Right. Again, David O. McKay did not say that he was quoting somebody anyways, but, um, I just feel like so much we feel like, well, then what that means is I have to be super present. I have to be at every little league game. I have to be at every bed night story reading, right? But I think there's power and I experienced this in my own experience growing up and something I'm trying to model for my children that sometimes, yeah, dad does have to leave or mom does have a committee meeting or whatever that night. And in the moment, it feels like, but the child's crying and they need me. And yeah, I have been gone a lot, but by the time they get to 16, 17, 18, and they start to develop into adult, they remember those moments. of, And then it, I feel like it'll click and being like, oh, like mom was making a difference in the community. Like I want to be like mom, right? And it's less of this like, well, my mother was never there for me. She loved our community more than me. Like I think it rarely goes there. Obviously there's extremes on both sides, but I just really feel like the more we can sometimes step out of our child's life in the moment and make a difference that's going to have a lasting effect on our children than just being at li- every little league game and every dance recital or whatever it is. That, anything to add to that? Or that's my little soapbox, Rochelle. I appreciate it. It was good. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Um, you know, I wanted my kids to learn early on that life doesn't revolve around them, right? For sure, they're very, very important to me and they're my priority. But we have 
lots of responsibilities and where much is given, much is required, right? I want to share an example with you um, that what your that your comment made me think of. I have twins that are juniors in high school and are involved in student government. And this year, the school is redoing their dress code. And they ask the students their opinion. And I'm not sure, but I'd like to hope that they've seen me really have to speak up and give my opinion. And sometimes in uncomfortable times and ways, right? And so they voiced their opinion. They went in, in the class, they talked and gave their opinion about the dress code. And then they talked privately with the advisor as well. And they saw some positive results from that. And that was just a huge lesson for them about learning to to speak up at times when it can be really difficult. But I feel like it's just uh, a blessing. Amen to that. Uh, anything else around that topic, Audrey, to add? Or well, we- I mean, I think it's obviously our families are the most important thing to us, but we We've gotten lots of great stories from women who've run for office who've gotten their families involved in their campaigns. And Mm -hmm. it's been really a blessing to their families, you know, taking their kids door to door, knocking with them in their communities and and getting them involved. And I know Rochelle did a lot of that, too, and just, you know, teaching their kids to serve and what a great opportunity it's been for them to teach that principle and lesson in their family kind of what we've been saying. And and also, you know, being on a local school board or city council is also, you know, you're you're helping take care of your family. You're helping take care of the community that your family is a part of. And I think it it all kind of comes together in in some amazing ways when you're when you're doing that and when you're serving yeah. in that way. Yeah, I love that. And really approach it from a our family's doing this rather than mom is doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really and running cool. a campaign is a full on family event. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. My kids were out knocking doors for hours and hours and putting in yard signs. and But it was so great. It really was so unifying because when I won, they all felt like they won, which yeah, was awesome. That's cool. So. That's awesome. Anything you would say as far as just the, it, it, like you mentioned earlier, that there's a lot of drama that comes up in politics and even in local politics now. And, and it's like, you know, I don't, I'd rather just avoid the conflict. I'm not, you know, I want to make a difference, but oh, I don't know if I want to step into that that mess. Uh, anything as far as even like in the quote unquote politics of a, of a ward where, you know, maybe some people in the, in your ward aren't going to vote for you. And, and <laughs> I don't know, does any of that come to the surface or is it easy to keep those things separate? The school board right now, especially I'll just speak to school board is heated and it is ugly and it is uncomfortable. And I'm yelled at and sworn at and called names especially uh, this last year uh, with the pandemic and with, you know, should kids be in school or shouldn't they be in school and masks and vaccines and all of that. And, you know, I learned a lot from Sister Nelson's book. In Sister Nelson's book, The Heavens Are Open, she talks, the first probably chapter is about contention. And it was such an eye-opening read to me because President Nelson does not tolerate contention as in if he's watching a sports game and there's unnecessary competitiveness or fighting, he will turn it off. And, you know, this is a contentious time actually, but it's also been a really great time to try to be a bridge builder and a peacemaker. And we need that. Our communities need that. Our country needs that. Our world needs that. We need more respect and civil discourse. And I feel like as Latter-day Saint women, that is a unique, natural skill that we have and that we can step into a room and make a friend 
or um, find something that we have in common, which is always the case, right? In schools, we have our kids in common. In our community, we want our communities to be safe places to raise families. And so I feel like as women, that is that is something we really can easily add. Yeah, really good. Anything to add to that, Audrey? Here. I mean, I, you're right. So often politics is about, you know, winning a battle on Twitter or coming up with a quippy soundbite for cable news, right? And, and self-promotion and all of that instead of service or leadership and community building. And, and Latter-day Saints, though, they know how to lead by lifting others up. And, and the type of leadership, you know, we're taught that from a young age. And we know how to work as a community to accomplish a goal. Service is part of, you know, it's part of our DNA. It's part of our identity. And public service is just an extension of that. And so like Rochelle said, we really need, our communities need that type of leadership and service that, that Latter-day Saints can bring to the table and Latter-day Saint women in particular can offer. And so I think it's just so, even though it's hard, I think it's just so important that we we step up and become engaged in political service. Yeah. You know, I just love this focus because we can get so sucked into the drama of politics and typically that's happening on a national scale. And it feels there's so much hype there and drama that it feels like, like when your guy or gal doesn't win on the national level, it's like, well, now the world will change forever, you know? <laughs> in reality, it's like two, two weeks later, you're like, oh, yeah, we're, I guess we're still okay. All right. <laughs> but so we often get hyper-focused on, you know, national elections, but I've always had this and I need to put it in a more catchy slogan, but like, if you want to create influence, like look towards the leadership closest to you, right? And that's why I feel so passionate about the mission of leading saints is because we're talking about local leadership. You know, we're not here to tell the Quorum of the Twelve, well, you could have done that a little bit different. Like, obviously, that's not our place nor our mission. But the more we can just bring up issues that will be helpful for local leaders, which are church leaders, the better. And so, it goes the same for the leadership closest to us in a community. That's what will change our world in two weeks after an election, is making sure we have good people there. I, I, maybe I'm off, but anything to add to that? Yeah. And, and I think especially after, you know, all, all the things that have gone on during COVID, I think people are recognizing that their local yeah. leadership does have a big impact on their life. And it is very important to pay attention to what's going on in their communities and their local leadership and, you know, be engaged and know what's going on because the local leaders, you know, we found have a lot of a lot of say in a lot of issues that influence our day to day lives. And hopefully that will encourage people to get more involved in, in local politics in their local communities. And I think that that does seem to be happening. And I think as far as, you know, church leaders and, and how they can, local church leaders and how they can get involved and, and help people and encourage them to, to be more involved in public service, you know, I think sending an, this episode of the podcast to to their church members that they think should run for office would be a great way to do it. And, you know, if you know a, wom a woman who would be a great public official or who should get involved in her community, you know, send them this episode and, and have them listen to it. Or, you know, sign up on our website, on Project Elect website, projectelect.org, projectelectwomen.org, and, you know, get weekly emails that encourage women to run for office and, and have training and tips and all of that. And pray about it as a leader, as a member, pray about how you can encourage women to get involved or whether it's the right time for you to get involved in public service and what you can do. Awesome. If you're in front of a leader, a church leader, and they're like, okay, I hear you too. I want to be a good influence of supporting and encouraging women to be involved in politics. 
just summarize what are some various things that they can do as leaders at this point? So as church leaders, I think there's a lot you can do. I think just being generally supportive of the idea of members getting involved in public service and and talking to members about, you know, the importance of being involved in your community and getting involved. Rochelle talked about communications councils and and having and calling people to those those callings who you think might be great in public service and letting them have the opportunity to get involved and and learn more about their communities and network within their communities, giving people the space and the time to to do that. And just emphasizing that not all service has to be within the congregation, that there's a lot of benefits to the church, to the membership in being involved in service outside of the church community as well. And so those are those are some of the things I think just tapping women on the shoulder and saying, hey, I think you would be a great in this position or running for office or on this board or commission. I think it really has a lot of power to it, especially if it's a church leader who's doing that. And asking them and telling them they think, you know, that the skills that they have qualify them to run. Awesome. Well, Rochelle, I'm going to have you give us the, the last uh, word here. Just reflecting on your time in a local political position on the school board, reflecting on that leadership opportunity, how has that leadership opportunity specifically helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Oh, my goodness. This opportunity has made me rely more on my Heavenly Father. And I've really had, I've really stretched and grown in ways that he had intended for me personally. And I've had to rely on him in moments that are really challenging and heated and difficult and always had a prayer in my heart. And so I'm grateful for this opportunity because it has brought me closer to him as I've relied more on his will for me and on how to use the spiritual gifts that I've been given to strengthen my community and serve in a way that he would have me serve. That concludes this episode of the Leading Saints podcast. We'd love to hear from you about your questions or thoughts or comments. You can either leave a comment on the uh, post related to this episode at leadingsaints.org or go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and send us your perspective or questions. If there's other episodes or topics you'd like to hear on the Leading Saints podcast, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and share with us the information there. And we would love for you to share this with any individual you think this would apply to, especially maybe individuals in your ward council or other leaders that you may know who would really appreciate the perspectives that we discussed. And remember, text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to access the three free sessions of the LGBT Saints Library. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.